Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton. And joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? We are continuing our first series of interviews with our Type 8 interview. Woo! I'm so excited to have with us today my amazing, wonderful friend, Erin Stetson. She's a fan of the podcast, a really amazing friend of the show, and also just a wonderful and encouraging friend of mine. That's a wonderful thing. If you are lucky enough to have an eight friend in, in your life, eight champion others. And Aaron has been someone who has so championed me. I love you so much. You, Aaron is an extremely multi-talented person, but she's a successful entrepreneur, an amazing friend to so many people and an amazing mother. And it's so cool to know you and to witness all that you do and doing it well and, and, glory to God and honoring the Lord and all that you do. I'm just so excited to have you here. So I figured that we'd be crying. I didn't know we were going to start off with crying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I really, really appreciate being able to tell my story and share a little bit what I've learned about the Enneagram. And being in this space just means a lot because you're the person who helped me understand my personality so much better and be able to relate to others so much easier. So, um, Erin, so to get us started off, why don't you just tell us where you're from, uh, what you do for a living, and a little bit about your family. So I'm originally from Southern California. I grew up in Temecula and then met my husband when I was going to college in the Santa Barbara area to Westmont College. And then my husband and I moved all over California before the Lord called us out to Texas in 2016. And I'm so glad that he did. Um, one of the words that the Lord gave me at that time was that our family was going to thrive, and it has thrived so much, and a big part of that has been my business. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt at the end of that year that since we were leaving our wedding videography business behind in California, that the Lord was calling me to unite my love for birth and my birth nerdness with my skills and talents as a photographer and videographer. So it's been a really, really amazing, transformative time. Actually, if you read my post that I just posted um, today, tomorrow's my birthday, and in the past like decade, it's just wild to look back and be an adult for 10 years. Well, I mean, I've been an adult for much longer than that. I'm going to be 37. Um, but yeah, just realizing like what my life was like when I was 27 versus now, it's... It's completely different, completely. I think one of the biggest things is I, and obviously we're getting into the Instagram stuff, but like as an eight wing seven, I'm always about my plan, what's next, what am I doing next, and really hard for me to just be content and enjoy my life. And when I was 27, I was ready to be a mom and I wasn't getting pregnant. And that was so frustrating because that was the next thing. I had been married for a couple of years, but the Lord didn't allow me to live in my discontent life through a series of a lot of learning experiences. I feel like each individual step of my life has brought me closer to the Lord and brought me closer to the purpose and calling on my life. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So how did you come across the Enneagram? Probably about three years ago. I had just several friends talking to me about the Enneagram, like, oh, what's your type? Don't you know your type? Like, like just going on and on about it. And I honestly was like, I did strength finders. I'm fine with that. I've got my strengths. Like, I don't need another thing. And 
I took an online test that I'm sure you wouldn't approve of, but it gave me the answer and I've gotten the same answer over and over again. And as I read into it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like me, which is so funny because a lot of people, when we talk about the Enneagram, they think I'm a three because I really care what other people think. But as an eight, like it's in a different way. Like Mm -hmm. I want people to perceive me as very knowledgeable and trustworthy and somebody they can look at as a leader and depend on. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about, um, I don't know, anyways. Not necessarily (laughs) about like like physical appearance. Yeah, yeah. It's not really like about my physical appearance. It's not about like what I'm doing. Like I just want when I show up to a space, somebody to go like, oh, yeah, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I, I definitely it, it has more to eight. do with respect mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than um, admiration. Yes. So then I guess it was about a year ago I started listening to your podcast because I had met you at church and listening through them. It helped me have so much more perspective about why I became an eight, like what my childhood was like to kind of help form that. Um, but how I can use it to aid my purpose that the Lord has created me for. And then one of my favorite things, though, about listening to the podcast is through learning about myself. Now I can, I feel like I know enough about myself at this point, even though, of course, I'm still growing and learning. But I love learning about the other types because I feel like I can empower them so much better when I can see some of their hidden personality traits or some of the um, blind spots yeah some of their blind spots well like I was with a client the other day and her husband was talking about um being a six and how he like has his go bag like always with him like all these different like very six things but was also a little bit like ashamed of being a six and because of your podcast I was like yeah but the cool thing about sixes are they know the worst case scenario they've thought it through but they are so brave to move forward even though they know all the possible outcomes and it was so cool to like see his eyes kind of twinkle and light up and something that he fully understands but had never heard before be able to come yeah. through so I love that about learning about the Enneagram because it really can help us be able to connect better with other people oh gosh I love that so much that brings so much joy to my heart um, cause that's, you know, when we, we do these episodes, like, you know, you don't know the impact of it or where it'll go or how it'll, I, I just love that you in, in your profession have been able to take away pieces that you can then speak encouragement and life into somebody in a really intentional way because you've learned about their Enneagram type. Gosh, that's just like the coolest thing ever. Okay. So in learning about your type, what have you resonated with the most? One of the biggest things that I always grew up with was hearing that I was bossy and that I should basically stop talking and stop giving my opinion because it wasn't needed, um, especially like with uh, with adults being present. Like I I just was not needed to share my opinion, no matter what it was. And I remember like other kids being chosen as whatever like I wanted to do because they were more docile or willing to go along with everything. So learning, and I'm still learning how an eight can interact as a leader by being a servant first. And I feel like that's so powerful. And you mentioned I'm a mom. I have three kids. And so we talk a lot about servant leadership in our house because I believe that all of my children are leaders, <laughs> as every good mom should. I love that. <laughs> so um, yeah, actually taking the time to teach my kids that if To be a good leader, you need to first see ways that you can help other people and that you can serve other people. I would say understanding more about the eight Enneagram helps me better 
know why I'm doing things too. I remember that you had mentioned the judging, the your own rules. Oh, what yeah. Yeah. So um, something about the eight, um, and we've, we've talked about it in the, the type eight episode, is that eights have their own justice system, their own system of justice. And it doesn't always align with the justice system of the world. They may think some of that's stupid or inefficient. They have their own system of justice that they adhere to. And when someone else crosses that justice system, they feel like they have to take justice into their own hands. And so the fixation of the eight can be vengeance. Uh, And what happens is when they break their own system of justice, they also feel like they have to take justice into their own hands. And so especially depending on like your Myers-Briggs type or your subtype, Eights can almost, especially if they're very black and white, mistype as a one because that that tendency to be really hard on themselves uh, can look like the inner critic. We all have an inner critic. We all ha- we are all hard on ourselves in one way or another. But for the A, it really comes back to there is a way that things should be done. And if it's not done that way, I need to take justice into my own hands. And if I break my own system of justice, that means that I need to. And, and usually it's by being very hard on themselves that they they try and beat themselves up in order to make it clear, oh, you, you broke your own system of justice. That's not okay. Yeah. And as a, a business owner and a mom, that is so hard. Mom guilt is something that everybody struggles with. But I have my own whole situation in my head of like, it doesn't matter what time of day I get back from a birth. I need to like step in and be this mom or my husband's expecting this. I really just feel like everybody has these certain perceptions and expectations of me that they don't. And so when I fail to meet those expectations, I feel horrible about myself. And then it's weird because when you actually start bringing it up, people are like, what are you, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I, I don't care that you're five minutes late. Like, that's not a deal breaker for me. But in my head, I'm like, they're never going to trust me to photograph them again. Like, I totally am letting them down by being late to the session. So, yeah, that was a huge eye-opener. I think I probably started crying when you started talking to me about that. Because <laughs> I feel like that is just such something that I thought everybody lived with and everybody dealt with. But knowing that, oh, no, it's actually more connected to my personality type. Then I can actually take a step back and assess and be like, what does the Lord have to say about this? What are mm-hmm. actually the rules? What are the expectations people have on me? My husband hates it, but I will be like relaxing on the couch and I'll say something like, let me know if you need me to do anything, if you have any expectations of me right now, because I feel guilty for relaxing. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, oh, he's probably thinking, why isn't she doing X, Y, Z? And I can't believe that she's just there. But that's, again, that's me. And what I've created in my head is that I need to always be moving and doing. And So for AIDS, they don't want to appear weak because to them, weakness, it, um, vulnerability is weakness. Weak, the, the strong survive, the weak don't. And so for what that can look like in the life of a mom who's also an entrepreneur is... I need to appear superhuman at all times so that way I will survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I can't be human because I'm going to break somebody else's expectation of me and they won't trust me. They won't let me care for them. They won't. Um, I'll lose support. And, and depending on, you know, what your tri-type is or, you know, something, it, it can look different ways depending on different numbers that you're connected to as well. But 
if, if you are an eight listening right now and you don't quite relate to that, it will look different depending on different numbers. Um, so, but looking specifically at what you're, you're dealing with as an eight and as a mom and as an entrepreneur, um, having superhuman expectations of yourself and then assuming and projecting that expectation on everyone around you, assuming everybody has the same expectation of you to not be a human um, that you have for yourself. And, and eights, in order to survive as children, they, they minimize their weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And so they will run themselves ragged in order to get all the things done. And they really believe they can do it all. But admitting that they have needs, that they need to rest, that they need time and attention and to process their things and to feel their feelings and to have a creative outlet just like everybody else in the world. You know, they, they, they want and need all the same things. They just feel like they can't ask for it because that would be weakness. So I know that I am a wing seven, but I know that all like the numbers are kind of connected in certain ways. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I can like probably go like wing nine because I feel like the opposite of that for me when I feel overwhelmed and like I can't be that superhuman is I go into that sloth depression. I'm just not going to do anything then. I'm just literally going to lay here for however long it takes and just like basically give up. Well, and I think that's actually probably true for most nines. Like the most or no, most eights that I know is if they are not going full throttle, like full speed ahead, it takes so much for them to actually stop and rest that they just collapse. Like they're like, I'm going to sit here for 13 hours mid watch Netflix show and eat ice cream. And like, you're, you're just describing my weekend. <laughs> but I mean, but it's so real. Like I, I feel like uh, my husband, who's an eight, he's similar in that way. He is, he, he, we have learned to take a Sabbath together and to do things on our Sabbath that are life giving both of us as me as a seven, him as an eight have a tendency to want to just watch Netflix all day. And that we have learned is not actually restful, but we feel so much better if we like go paddle boarding or take our dogs for a walk in the park or like get out and do something together in nature. There's something so restorative in that. And then we go home and watch a show and make a really yummy dinner and, you know, just chill. There's a place, a time and a place for both. Mm-hmm. And it's making sure that there's regular enough rest in your life that you you can have the days where you crash and burn. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to be lazy mm-hmm. for the day. Here it is. I need to just do this to survive. And then after you do that, maybe like once a month, you have a weekly time for the restorative rest. And that's what like taking a Sabbath has been game changer for me with my business and everything. Like I don't, I'm not on my business Instagram. I'm not checking my business emails. At least I try, I try so hard. Those are my rules for myself (laughs) to not do that. Super hard to do. Well, what's hard is like when I have a Sabbath planned and then I'm called to a birth. So then I have to like have like a really weird Sabbath, like a Tuesday, like two weeks ago, I had a Tuesday Sabbath and Mm -hmm. that's just not as fun as a weekend Sabbath. But it's fine. Um, but I also I also serve at church too, and I do photos at church. So for me, I'm not sabbathing when I have a camera in my hands yeah. or I am in front of a computer. So I know that if I'm serving on if I'm serving at church, I need to make sure that my Saturday I don't have, you know, maternity newborn sessions scheduled or whatever. But I always having that Sabbath has just changed my energy level and my focus. But it's it's really hard. 
especially when like I my business is such a passion for me and I yeah. love it so much. I really want to see I want to engage with the people who are following me on Instagram. Like I want to respond to inquiries right away. But the Lord has really blessed that. My business has been blessed over and over again. And I, I feel like that's one of the big reasons is because I'm doing things in yeah. his rhythm and not trying to just power through. And and that's when you get burnout too. A lot of birth workers, like it's one of the the shortest, like turnaround, I don't know what the word, like yeah, people high, just don't. High turnover. Yeah, people don't stay in birth work for a long time because regardless of how many clients they're taking per month, it's weird hours. It's a lot on your adrenal glands, everything. And so resting mm-hmm. has been huge for me. Epsom salt baths are like my go-to. I try to decompress as much as possible. I like to have like sensory, like I'll turn off the lights in the bathroom and have an Epsom salt bath and just allow myself to reset. So having those moments of rest has been key. So good. Okay. So in learning about your Enneagram type, what have you been the most challenged by? A little bit about what we were talking about earlier, really understanding that other people don't have the same rules for themselves that I have for myself. Mm -hmm. It's also been challenging in like good ways too, because I learn like, oh, this is something that is specific to my personality. And I know that eights go to two in health. And so when I I try to actively do that, try to actively think about other people and care about emotions and feelings. Um, One thing that's huge for me is I love direct, quick, honest communication. Like if I'm going to the grocery store and I say, hey, can I get something for you? I don't want you to tell me a story about how you were online and you saw this recipe and it was really great. Like, (laughs) just tell me you need some mozzarella. Like, just tell me what it is. Like, that just drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. But understanding that that's, again, like my personality and that a good thing to do is to listen to that person's super long story that's killing me on the inside, but trying to actually connect with them on an emotional level and validate them. Um, I think that's been a really like, like understanding my Enneagram challenge for me. Yeah. Oh, so good. And that's my mom, by the way. She does that when I ask her what she needs from the grocery store. <laughs> of course. That's really good though. Cause like they're, you're, you're on a, one mission, but they have another mission in telling a story or being heard. You know, it's like they're having a totally different experience than you. Well, it's the external processing too. Like I just like don't. Don't externally process. Make up your mind. Be decisive. And let's just get this done. Yeah. Yeah. And realizing the higher value of it's not about getting it done. Mm -hmm. It's about being in relationship with people and doing that well, Um, which is I think that's such a struggle for for threes, for eights. Sometimes I mean, different personality types are going to struggle with that more. But I feel like that's such a huge lesson in in just our own spiritual growth and in learning to um, yeah, understand where other people are coming from and that we don't think differently and, and not assuming that people are going to react the same ways that we do. So, yeah, it's so good. And working in the birth world, too, like I definitely have to just pause and sit and observe and rest, mm-hmm. which is really hard because if I see like, oh, that person has, like she just gave birth and her bra is still wet and nobody's taking her bra off, it's really hard for me not to like just go over there and be like, hey, do you want me to help you get your wet bra off so that you can be dry and warm? Because that's not my job. There's other people there that are taking care of her. And so to, to honestly just sit back and not in, and not allow that like anxiety and panic inside of me that like something's going wrong that I need to like correct. Yeah. And to just be like it's it's okay. There's no emergency. 
everybody's fine, everybody's safe. I can just be here in this moment and allow these things to go by. Yeah, yeah that's good. Okay, so um, you mentioned earlier that you know your strengths. Do you know uh, if, if you could share your strengths or any other personality information you know, if like you know your Myers-Briggs type? I can't remember my Myers-Briggs type, but I do know my strengths. Futuristic is my number one. And then ideation, activator, belief, command. So I'm all about, yeah, I love I love activator because that's that like rallying friends mm-hmm. type thing. Like, yeah. And I love having friends that are nines and being able to be like, you can do it. Like, let's go. Like if, mm-hmm. if I'm in a group with, with friends and there's a nine that I can see wants to say something, I'm like, oh, Amanda, did you have something that you wanted to say? Like, I love standing up for people and, like, giving them space that they maybe wouldn't have before. And I feel like that, like, the eight and the activator goes really well together, like, in a healthy way. And then ideation, like, I love figuring out, like, what is the root of things? Like, what's going on here? What's really working? Like, where did this come from? And then futuristic, I obviously, I feel like that connects really well to my wing seven of, like, let's do these huge dreams that are just so big. Eights are totally vision too though so so the futuristic totally plays well into um, the mind of an a and in having big ideas and in a vision for the future and being able to cast that vision and lead other people into that um and i mean ideation is it's it's a creativity strength so like it's it's like ideas like popcorn mm-hmm. so it, it it speaks to the originality of uh your creativity, which is really cool. Um, and then the, I mean, of course you have belief that doesn't surprise me at all. You're such a passionate person and you so believe in what you're doing. Like you, you, you wouldn't just be a photographer for any old thing. Like you want to do birth photography because it's something you believe in and are passionate about. Um, and that gives you energy to be able to, to do it and to stay up all night and to, to do the work because you believe in it so much. Um, and then command. Command is such an interesting strength. <laughs> How do you feel about your command strengths? So I think that that really goes along with understanding that leadership quality and that servant leadership. And my favorite definition of command is when you're with a group of friends and everybody's like, let's go, let's go to lunch. Let's go to lunch. And everybody's kind of like him and hawing. Like yes. some people are saying this idea and some people are saying that idea. And nobody's being like, Aaron, will you decide for us where we should go to lunch? But I see the chaos in there and I want to create order. And I'm really capable of being like, hey, guys, let's narrow it down between two choices. Or we went here last time, so maybe try this time. Like I love mm-hmm. being able to like – gather chaos and a bunch of just voices and collectively yeah. having that focus and and then moving forward. Yeah. And the other thing about your your activator strength is it makes you impatient. So <laughs> um so impatient. So that also adds to that 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 that's interesting because you just described kind of the playing of those two together with your command of like, oh, like we need to make a decision so we can take action. We got to go guys. Like stop trying to make a decision. We're done deliberating. Let's, let's go. Well, especially with women, because everybody wants to be so nice and listen to each other. And like, I don't want to actually say where I want to go. I want to try to guess where you want me to say I want to go. And like, I just don't have time for that. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. No, I think, I think command's a really interesting strength. My husband, who is an eight, he's an eight wing nine. He has command in his top five. 
And nobody would think that of him, like literally no one, unless you were in a crisis situation and he happened to be there, you probably wouldn't see it come out because he doesn't assume when he walks in the room that he is the leader. Like he is a very kind person. He's a very patient person. And he only really assumes leadership or authority when things are going wrong, things are out of hand and and nobody else is stepping in and he can step into chaos and bring complete clarity. And he has such an authority. I do see it when he prophesies over people. There is such a like intensity. Like, I don't know if either of you, I don't think he's ever prophesied over you guys. My husband, (laughs) he, his eyes get like really intense and he like speaks the truth and speaks into people's lives. And, and I, I have seen that. And it's, yeah. I love it. It's so amazing. I love it so much. I've only seen it, like, it's only come out. In, like, glimpses. Yeah. And, like, he started talking about something very passionately. He was talking about um, women. And modesty. And modesty. You guys need to talk. Oh, wow. It was so good. Yeah. It was so good. I was like, oh, my gosh. I've never heard someone, like, articulate in such a well-rounded perspective especially from a male. Like I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, yeah. There's like very few things. Like he has these passion points. And when he starts talking, you're like, whoa, where did that guy come from? Like he's intense. And, but uh, I think it's something that's really beautiful about him as a person. But I think it says a lot about our understanding of personality. And you would probably relate to this. He has an extremely intense, angry personality he's very justice oriented very passionate most people don't see that on a day-to-day basis and so all the stereotypes about eights being angry and emo like like not emotional but just like aggressive passionate yes and and this intensity being very outward i i all the eights that i know they they almost uh hide it because they're worried that they're going to hurt people so if you're a healthy eight that loves the Lord and loves people. I've noticed a lot of eights almost like push down or try and soften or curb the intensity of their personality because they don't want to hurt people in the process. And you see people in the world, in secular culture, or I mean, even unhealthy people in the church, let's be real, that, you know, they bulldoze people. Mm-hmm. And the eights in my life, my friends that are eights, my husband, they are very, uh, very kind people and very empowering people. They're quick to make decisions, uh, very high capacity people, but they aren't outwardly aggressive. And I think it's usually an unhealthy person Mm -hmm. that is that. And we shouldn't be defining people by the potential for unhealthy characteristics, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. So good. That's good. Yeah. I definitely had a huge issue with like raging out when my kids were little. I had a lot of probably like postpartum anxiety type stuff that just was not diagnosed. And we had like money issues, like all these different things stacked up against us. And it was like, I felt like I was on the verge of rage all day, every day. And I was just trying to like tamp it down. Yeah. And um, obviously like through the years I've become healthier um, through a lot of different reasons. I mean, the Lord has just helped so much. Our marriage is better. Like my, you know, it's just, there's, you don't live like in a bubble. Like there's so many different yeah. factors that go into those types of things. Yeah. But just realizing like my three-year-old, like, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever actually yelled at her, but I remember like yelling at my oldest, like all the time because of mm. that. 
So yeah, that that like it's just it's a switch that gets flipped and it's really hard to turn it off. Yeah. And because it feels like you're doing the right thing in that moment, like you're bringing mm-hmm. that justice into the moment, like whatever is spurring that rage is completely justified. But then obviously we know that that's not how we're supposed to act. So I think in health, really, it's just taking a breath, taking a step back Mm -hmm. and a chance to reflect. So I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that that side of me, like that, like temper ragey side, like does or doesn't exist. Um, I would say that it's more of my interaction with the Lord and turning my anxieties and my worries over to Him and allow Mm. Him to be my provider of my finances, allowing Him to be the one helping me with my children, with my business, all these different things. Like the burden isn't on me. And Mm. so even though I know that I can get really fiery, like I don't need to because I'm not in control. I don't have to be in control of those moments. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like um, you learned how to feel what you were feeling and process your emotions by inviting the Lord into it instead of trying to stuff it and pretend it wasn't there until it exploded, Mm -hmm. Um, which is such an important lesson that we all have to learn. And, and it's, it's very interesting. I could do a whole series just on the relationship of each type to their own anger because I think we all struggle with anger and process it in different ways. That'd be a good series. <laughs> so, so how has all of that affected your marriage? I would say that I've always been, I'm going to take care of everything, including myself, and I don't need to rely on anybody else for anything because I'm fully capable. And that's something that I really prided yeah. myself in. Yeah. Especially early in my husband and I's marriage, he was supposed to go into Sheriff Academy, and there's hiring freezes that happened in 2009. So even though he was trying to create a career for himself, it just got blocked. That's a whole other story. But basically, he was working at Starbucks, and I actually had a college degree and was doing like a full-time job. So I was our main provider. And it wasn't until my son was, um, after he was born, he was four months old. So we got married in 2009 and in 2014, so five years into our marriage, that my husband and I were at a marriage conference, and I told him, I don't feel like I can lean on you. And I realized in that moment that our entire marriage, I honestly never felt like I could follow my dreams, have adventures, be relaxed, because I always needed to make sure that not only myself was taken care of, but my husband too, and then at this point, now our son. So I felt like I had to take any job that made the most amount of money and not care really about where the Lord wanted me to be because I needed to take care of everybody. So having that conversation completely shifted our relationship where I started realizing how deep that was in my heart. And, you know, fast forward to 2016, and I quit my job because we had two kids. We moved out to Texas. We are fully just on my husband's income. Um, and that was really, really hard. And, again, that that's connected to that time that I was going through a lot of anxiety. But all that to say, now our marriage is so balanced, and I truly feel like I can lean on my husband, and that feels so good to be able to mm. actually – relax and know that he's got my back. And it was such a good exercise that the Lord put us through to have him be the main financial earner. So I I honestly just couldn't. I couldn't lean on myself. I had to lean on others during that time. 
Yeah. So um, I don't know if you you caught it, but what I'm hearing you say is that you you struggled with feeling like in order for everything to be okay, you had to be in control of the outcome. Mm-hmm. And that when you had no control over the outcome, it caused emotional breakdown, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and that by going through that, the Lord broke that down enough for you to invite him into your need to surrender control to him. Mm-hmm. And that that strengthened your marriage. Mm-hmm. Man, that's beautiful. Oh, I love it. And I should say to you that that now as an entrepreneur doing what the Lord has called me and actually asking him what I should do with my life and what my purpose is, now I'm making over double what I ever did at any other job. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love, ah, I just, you're just so incredible as who you are. You're an amazing mom. You are an entrepreneur, but you also are very intentional about recognizing the areas where you need to grow, the areas where you're weak. In, in passionate about gaining self-awareness so you can love people better so you can empower pe- others better and I so appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and be vulnerable and share so much of your story and I just I hope that it's really powerful and impacting the lives of others thank you so much yeah it was a pleasure to be here that's it for today tune in next week for our type 9 interview Woo! <laughs> I'm so grateful for those of you who have been listening and sharing the podcast. Um, Make sure to take a minute. And if you haven't already, leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review on iTunes. It is what gets our podcast found by people who don't personally know me. Leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And follow me on Instagram at Just Loves Personality. And follow the podcast at Originality Podcast. I would like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you will become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.